Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. Of course, thank you to everyone who has been rating and commenting and subscribing. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're also available on YouTube. We put it up on Facebook. We do all that stuff. And our guest today, uh, before we started recording, we were just reminiscing about his Louisville days because I've spent a great deal of time in that city as well. Uh, Mr. Rob Fee, who uh, is a successful writer and producer. Very successful. Very, Can we stress ex- that? Extremely successful. <laughs> you guys don't even know. Um, that is my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually, uh, so this is the first time we've ever met in person, but we've been talking for a long time. Yeah, years. Yeah, we came together. Uh, against a common enemy. <laughs> we did. We did. So, so those that follow me know how uh, anti-intellectual property theft I am. Uh-huh. And uh, we came together because uh, an Instagrammer by the who goes by the name The Fat Jewish, right. which is the most offensive part of what he does. Well, also, it makes me feel anti-Semitic when I'm like, I hate the fat Jew. Yeah. And it's like. Are you allowed to say that? So yeah, it's, I'm Jewish, and it makes me feel anti-Semitic. I'm not, and, yeah. it, ma- and it really <laughs> makes me feel that. Yeah, you're from Kentucky, so the, yeah, it's like you go, I hate the fat Jew, and other people are like, yeah, me too. Be like, no, 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 an Instagram guy. He's a guy on Instagram. Oh yeah, and the fat blacks, and yeah, <laughs> be like, are they on Instagram? So uh, yeah, so this guy is, and there are tons of meme accounts on Instagram that sure. steal stuff. There's Fuck Cherry, and you know a bunch well. of these other places, but. He was kind of the queen bee of intellectual property theft. Yeah. And so uh, I was railing pretty hard against him. So were you. Uh-huh. Uh, so was Maura Quint. So uh-huh. were a bunch of other people. And so there were people who were like, oh, you guys should talk. Remember uh, remember his book signing? Oh, yeah. We got that canceled. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We were, uh, we were instrumental in getting that canceled. <laughs> he said some anonymous haters were threatening me. Yeah, I was like, no one's anonymous. Yeah, we no, we were all signed in on my personal Facebook. And absolutely, said this. and we weren't threatening you. We weren't threatening him with physical violence. I was. Okay, no, fair, I was, fair. I was, yeah, I was. you were like, I'll get you. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna well, kill that fat Jew. If you just call him up with your voice, <laughs> like that'd be enough to terrify him. Please don't ha- pull a quote from this that says I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna kill that fat Jew. Rob yeah, it's a one very specific guy who calls himself the fat Jew. <laughs> Where all the other Jewish people got together, like we we're trying to vote you out, like we don't we don't want you to represent us at all. So uh, yeah, so we got his book signing canceled, which was kind of amazing because Good job, man. yeah, hell yeah, Great because job. his uh, I mean his book plagiarized. It like did. he had he had a couple of examples in his book, and I was like, how are you not being sued by everybody? It's wild. The only reason I never sued him, he never stole from me. He stole from people I knew. Right. And I was like, oh, please steal from me because I'll bring it. I have right. no problem tying you up in court. I have no problem doing it. But the problem was he was stealing from people with no resources. Right, right. And so, you know, he was stealing from people who could not sue him. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to pay your lawyer in like chicken fingers that you're getting from. In, in retweets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, uh, but point is. Uh, and you know, very successful writer working on something now that I'm super jealous of. Oh yeah, which yeah. is uh, you're writing for Marvel Comics. Yeah, man, it was it was really crazy how it came about. Um, a friend of mine has written there for years, and uh, he said, "Hey, I uh, Marvel's doing this horror anthology for Halloween. You should 
you should pitch them some ideas. And I'm like, yeah, man, cool. I'll hit up Marvel and be like, hello, guys, I've got some ideas. He's like, no, 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 I told them about you, they're fans. Um, so here's his email, pitch him some ideas. Uh, and I put no confidence in this. I was yeah. like, I'm going to send some stuff over. They're going to read it, and I will never hear back. I sent stuff, and they're like, cool, let's do it. And I said, are, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you sure you want to do this? And it's been great. I mean, they're they're wonderful to work with. That's so cool. I love that because I grew up, you know, I grew up such a Marvel fan. Right, right. And I don't mean a Marvel fan like someone who like saw a couple of the movies now. <laughs> I actually don't even give a shit about the movies. Right. Because I, I've already read the story. Which, uh, did you like Endgame? So I did not, I've not seen Endgame. Really? But that's my point. Like, I didn't see, I haven't seen the Avengers movies. Right. But first of all, because some of the way, like with the exception of Ragnarok, I hate Thor. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Ragnarok. That's fair. Ragnarok, the best superhero movie I think I've seen. It was fantastic. Um, but Thor in general is annoying. You will like him on Endgame. Then. Yeah, yeah. Because they they blow that character up. Loki, Loki is such a bad bad guy. Right. I never gave a like shit him. about him as a bad guy. You're like, oh, he's kind of nice. Well, but also <laughs> he's just such a whiny little. My dad never liked me. <laughs> But like, that is honestly the reason why most people turn evil. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But he's just so whiny about it. like Or the way they made him in the first couple of movies. Right, anyway. right. They made him, like, they didn't make him scary as much as they made him complaining. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might complain the earth to death. That's true. <laughs> I hadn't watched any. I, I watched the first Avengers, and then I was I flew to Italy and back, and on my flight they had all of them. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is a good thing to catch up on in 26 hours of flying back. Sure. Again. So I watched them all That's <laughs> last a, Christmas. It's a good way to watch them all. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, anyway, let's talk about uh, – because your journey has been a bit of an odd one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you, you have a self-produced comedy special like <laughs> I do. Right. But yours is a little different. <laughs> Because you weren't a stand-up. <laughs> and, and we were talking about this before we started recording, and I didn't want to talk about it too much because yeah. you're, you're a successful comic. You you are working all the time. You're putting in the hours. And I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to put in the hours. What what's the shortcut here? Yeah. Uh, which man, I I you know what I feel like right now? Yeah. Is when someone. Like I have a seven-year-old son. When someone talks to me about how having a dog is just like having a kid, and they're like, I get what it's like having a kid. I'm yeah. a dog mom. I'm like, I can't leave my son on the floor for eight hours, <laughs> sprinkle some food around, and he's fine when I get home. Um, but I did. No, his dogs are smarter. <laughs> I did a uh, comedy album in 2012, and – I had done stand-up a few times. I really wanted to do an album. So I, I worked really hard writing this album. Yeah. Uh, and then I told my friends, I was like, look, my buddy has a call center. He's letting me use it after hours. If you guys will come over, I'll get free beer. Just listen to me do stand-up for an hour. So I recorded it myself. I mixed it. I did the album artwork. I put it online. And then it was just promoting it on social media. And it and it was number one on the iTunes comedy charts. Well, it was the, beating out like Lonely Island and Louie and all these you know huge successful comedians. And I'm like, I made this one in Orlando in my basement. You know? Well, I so as a hustler, <laughs> as someone who 
you know, I, I'm very much all about skip the industry. Sure, sure. You know, I'm 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 very much in favor of make your own luck, do your own thing. In that, I love it. But but as a comic, how as do you a stand up, fuck you. But <laughs> I but at the same time, I also recognize that I do the same thing when it comes to writing. Like you've grounded out for writing. Tell me what you do. What's your what's wh- your move? Well, what I mean is that like the only reason I get any writing or acting work. Actually, I'm, it's way worse with acting <laughs> because I don't audition. Oh, I've talked really? about it on the podcast before. I don't audition. I'm bad at auditions. I understand it's Terrible a weak spot. Terrible auditions. But I have a big following now. Right. And and also when when you are acting in like when you're doing two or three lines, right. it's kind of easy. Right. As long right. as you're not completely wooden, which I still kind of <laughs> am. But as long as you're not completely wooden, you know, you get eight takes. <laughs> right. One of them will be okay. You know, and and especially if you're not like I'm not doing anything dramatic. You know, I'm sure. I'm always playing like some kind of goofy thing. Nice friend so, number two. Or exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Which you, the only reason my characters have names is because I go over to the production <laughs> people and I'm like, hey, can you name this guy? I don't want to just be man on airplane. Right. Can he be Brody? I think he'd be a Brody. And so. Uh, like people who studied acting for years, right, right, and who went to who went to acting school, Juilliard, community <laughs> theater, and slaved away, and then I'm just like, oh, Adam Carolla thought I was kind of funny, so I was in his movie. Like that's you know, I, I so the, I get it. What's the worst audition you've ever had? The worst audition I've ever had. Oh, this is good. Oh, turn the camera on me now. <laughs> Uh, the most I bombed or the hardest one, because I mean, there's definitely a couple of stories, but I'd say one of them, the one that I think that stands out to me was, it was for the Onion Sports Network. Right. And at the time, this I was, was acting, right? This was an this was acting. Okay. I was supposed to play a sports broadcaster. Okay. Which I literally was. I started to say you have, you have the, the perfect sound for that. Thank you. Also, I have experience at doing it. <laughs> right. I've literally been a sports broadcaster. Right. I am a regular on MLB Network. I was on ESPN. I've done a bunch of that stuff. And first of all, they didn't know what a sports broadcaster was like because right, right. they're, they're, you know, they were trying to get me to do it more like a sports broadcaster. I'm like, but I am. Like the cartoon one. version of a, of a yeah, commentary. But even then they go, do it more over the top with subtlety. And I was like, what are you taught? Those are opposite. Can you run faster and slower at the same time? If I could just see you get get like really excited but bummed. Right. I'm like, what directions are these? What are you doing? And that was one of the things where like sometimes you walk out of the room and you're like, I didn't get that. Right. That was Did one you get where, it? No, that was one where I like I could have stood up in the middle and be like, I didn't get this. Right. Like there was no way. I did uh I did an audition several years ago. Um, for this improv show, I don't know whatever happened with it. Yeah, but uh, it was probably an MTV show that was on for four minutes. But they uh, they brought me in, and I'm yeah. I see a stack of headshots on the desk, and one of them is an ex girlfriend that we'd broken up a week before, and I thought, whoa, and I thought it would be funny to be like, oh wow, that uh, that's my ex girlfriend. We we just broke up. And I thought it would be like a funny icebreaker. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. They went, "Are you, is it okay? Are you all right? And I was like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. I, it's, no, no, it's good. I was, I was kidding. It's fine. It's good. And they said, so is that, that's not your ex-girlfriend? I said, no, it, it, it is my ex-girlfriend. And we did just <laughs> break up. 
and it was tough. Like I was tough, to, but I'm not. It doesn't bother me now. Like yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And if you say I'm okay multiple times, it never comes off as yeah. Okay. That means like oh, he's hurting. <laughs> right. He's really hurting. And I was really okay with it. And they were like, should we reschedule? And at this oh. point, I was like, I I should just go home. And I did the audition. Yeah, it was so bad. It was so bad. That's that's great because there are people. <coughs> there are two types of people in the world, and there are a lot of ways to divide people. Sure, sure. But my um, my ex and I had a had a term, which is people who can tell. Uh huh. And the people who can tell, it's people who get jokes. It's people who right, right, who understand. Like, we had a running, we had a running joke, where because people would always ask us, "Oh, are you gonna have kids?" Uh-huh. And her standard answer was, um, "Well, we're not sure, but if we do, we're gonna make sure to adopt a black kid so my parents won't visit." <laughs> that was the answer, and That's it's funny. Great. It's funny. Yeah, but like. The <coughs> amount of times, so so there were always one of three answers. It was right. always like someone laughed. Right. They can tell. Uh, someone goes, "Oh, is it? Are your pa- your parents are racist? That's so horrible that you have to deal with that." Or even worse, people's like, "Oh, that's so mean." And I'm like, "Oh, you don't even." Actually, you know what? I think the second one might be worse because that's be. someone who doesn't even get that they there's a joke. It. The third yeah. one is offended about a hypothetical fictitious child right. that is not being loved and supported. Absolutely. Yeah. But the second one doesn't even understand enough to be offended. No, they they're clueless. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, okay. It's like when I send my mom a meme and uh, or like a funny picture and she'll go, "Who is this?" Yeah. Like, "Mom, that is the least this person's on fire and there's a dog. There's <laughs> the person in it is not the issue. Yeah. Or like, the, this? you know, that, uh, like the community meme where, where Donald Glover comes in with the pizza uh-huh. and everything's on fire. <laughs> yes. He just turns around. Like, that'd be great. Send that to someone and someone go, Oh, I love that show. And like, don't even, that's not the point of, I love pizza. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be like, Oh man, that reminds me. We should get pizza. They're like you, you can't tell. Oh, is it brick oven? Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk to you about a time that you fell forward. Yes, the point of the, the podcast. The point of the podcast. We could go on about a lot of other things for All a while. All this other stuff will be cut out. Yeah, and we're going to do it after the break. Uh, so come back for Rob's Failing Forward story. Uh, right after this, support our sponsors because they make this possible. Support them. Welcome back to Failing Forward. I'm joined here with uh, writer, producer, and kind of comedian Rob Fee. Adjacent. I'm going to give you shit for that, <laughs> mainly because I'm jealous that you're writing for Marvel. So uh, I'm like, I have to give you shit for the one thing I can do that you can't. So, And apparently you can in a freaking call center. And, but you can audition way better. Wait, oh, no, I cannot. Absolutely, I cannot. So anyway, we, we're talking about uh, Failing Forward here. So yes. uh, I'm curious, what's your... <laughs> What's your failure story? Let's hear it. So I uh, I grew up in Kentucky, very religious, Bible Belt. Uh, I had to quit the basketball team because it interfered with church schedule. Oh, which, for a second, I thought you were going to say you had to quit the basketball team because there was something about like sinning, like scoring too much. <laughs> no, no, I I wish that would have been a much yeah. better story. But just Sorry like, for interrupting. Go ahead. No, no, please do. Um, but I had to quit that. I mean, it was just nonstop church. So I felt my career trajectory was now I'm going to work in church. 
And so I was a youth pastor for 10 years and uh, worked in big churches in Florida. I mean, saying I worked because I did marketing for churches as well, which is dark. Saying I did marketing for mega churches in Orlando is the worst Mad Lib you could possibly have. It's it's dark. <clears throat> so, but you're making that. up for it by writing hard. Exactly. That's yeah. how. That's my. <laughs> that's that's your uh, reverse hail <laughs> mary coping mechanism. Yeah. So, uh, I done it for a long time, and around 2011, I was still working in churches, and I needed some sort of creative outlet because it was killing me just doing this. I will say, though, that uh, being a youth pastor doing two services every Sunday and one every Tuesday, I mean, that's an hour and a half set you have to do three times a week. You know, so I felt like I mean, I can in a room or anything now I can talk for hours because I'm used to talking to 200 kids that don't want to be there. Um, But I, I needed some sort of creative outlet. So I started a Twitter account and I just posted jokes you know i didn't have a gimmick or a theme to it uh and then around 2012 the church uh downsized and they they hadn't paid their taxes in years so they were getting shut down and so wait i thought they don't have to pay taxes uh property tax they i'm sorry not tax was it taxes maybe they weren't paying for their building whatever it was yeah there was something that they were supposed to be paying that they weren't, and they were losing millions of dollars. Yeah, because there's a thing that, <clears throat> like, if we stop the tax exemption on religion, right, our economy, like, our deficit would be over right. the next day. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's truly insane. Um, so I, at the time I was married, uh, my wife was five months pregnant, and they fired me just like that, you know, my insurance was gone, all this stuff. And I was like, well, this is a nightmare. This is yeah. the worst possible scenario. And so and you're like, damn you church. Oh, that's right. not the right language. So I got, I got Medicaid, which was going to take care of the pregnancy costs. I'd saved up a little bit of money and I had had a few people hit me up and was like, oh, you should write for this website. This is 2012 when you could still make money writing for websites. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I could jump back into a church job or I could take a few months and attempt writing. Cause I was like, if I never try, then I'm going to regret it forever. So I, I buckled down. I hit up every EP that I knew on Twitter and was like, can I submit a packet for your show? I didn't even know what a packet was. Yeah. I was like, can I do a packet? I read about that somewhere. Um, I got, I ended up having, an agent hit me up on Twitter and was like, Hey, listen, I don't know your stuff, but my wife said you're the funniest person and that I need to work with you. How big was your Twitter at the time? Uh, maybe 20,000. Okay. So it, it hadn't like, it wasn't huge. Um, yeah. You know, but it was crazy that it was getting that sort of traction. And so they started helping me understand how to submit for something. Uh, and so I hit up one producer for the Ellen show. I was like, look, we, we were friendly. I was like, I'd love to submit. And so I did a packet. He was like, send it to me in the next two weeks. This is when I had nothing else going on. So I sent it the next day. Like I spent 20 hours writing this thing and sent it in. You're like the next day is within two weeks, right? <laughs> right. Just checking. And so, uh, I sent it in and which is both impressive and terrifying at the same time. Oh, horrifying, horrifying. Yeah. So I sent it and uh, they were like, 
this is great. And so I ended up getting a producer job on Ellen, uh, which was my first TV job. And from there, just kept kept getting jobs and kept working. I mean, there were a lot of websites to write for at that time, which was great because they all paid well. God, 2013 what was a such year, a great what a year. year. Yeah. What a great time in America. Uh, now it's a cesspool. But, but yeah, it was... <laughs> It was such a weird moment because when I got fired from that job, I thought this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And it was literally just setting me up to be able to start the career that I wanted to do. Yeah, there's a phrase I love, uh, golden handcuffs. What is that? I don't so know. That one. Golden handcuffs is basically something that's good enough that it keeps you there. Ooh, that's good. But not really what you want. Mm-hmm. So... But you, have you had that happen with, I mean, I've had that happen with TV jobs and everything else is it's comfortable. It's good enough. You're not happy with it, but it's fine. See, I've never had a job I'm happy with, so it's not really <laughs> happening. But the, but the, the, it's the curse of wanting, always wanting more. But no, but the idea of this is good enough. I right, see that right. all the time. Yeah. And I think that's something almost everyone listening to this right now Immediately in your head, you can think of, oh, what was the thing I had that was good enough? Right, right. And it's true in relationships. Yeah. It's true in jobs. Um, it's true. Uh, I've talked about that a lot with the Louisville comedy scene. Sure. Where, like, you can be a working comic in Louisville. Mm -hmm. You can make enough money on the road. You can get a $200 gig here and a $300 gig there. Right. And, and it, the cost of living is low. Cost of living is very low. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, you know, it's a perfectly fun city to live in. Yeah. And so it's a very pleasant life. Right. And it depends on what you want out of life. Right. And so for someone who wants to make it mm -hmm. and then they're like, oh, but I'm, I'm doing fine here. Yeah. You know, yeah. for comedians, cruise ships are golden handcuffs. I they, could absolutely see that. They pay well. Mm -hmm. You'll get three to five grand for a week on a cruise. You know what you'll also get? A shit audience, <laughs> uh, irrelevancy. Right. And no communication <clears throat> or contact with any other comedian. Yeah. Yeah. There are comedians who have been working the cruise ship circuit for 20 years. No pop-ins on a cruise ship. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, Seinfeld's not just going to come by and accidentally see your set on a cruise ship. Oh, you know, I was uh, just here with my wife and my kids, just uh, taking a cruise. Just swimming by. Yeah, exactly. Just thought I'd stop in. Uh, and yeah, and it's just, it's complete irrelevancy. Yeah. And so that can happen. And so if you have a job where if you aspire to be something creative, mm -hmm. but you grow up in a place, whether it is like, oh, I've been involved, my family's involved with this church and thus I'm going to be involved with this church. Right. Or it's something like, well, you know, my, my dad runs this automotive business and thus I'm going to yeah. run this automotive business yeah. and it's handed to me. And it's very difficult for someone like that to strike out on their own. You know, and even in entertainment, it's easy to, because your main goal is I need a job at all times. Yeah. You know, you're like, I need to be doing something, but I've seen, uh, like a, a good friend of mine is a producer on the bachelor. And before that he worked on, like a, so you could get me as the bachelor is what I, you're saying. I 100%. Mark my words, you're the next I'm bachelor. I'm the next bachelor. Perfect. It's done. You heard it here first and nowhere Announced. else after. So he, and before that he did like a game show or something. And he yeah. wants, he's a very funny comedy writer. But 
he's working in The Bachelor now going on four or five years, and he's like, I gotta get out of here. And he goes, the money's great, I travel all over the world for free, uh, stay in the nicest hotels, eat wonderful food all the time. He goes, but I know if I don't get out of this and do what I actually want to do, I'm going to be stuck in reality dating shows for the rest of my life. Which, yeah. if that's what you want to do, that's great. But I've seen so many people just take a job and then people are like, oh, that's what you do. So do that same job here. You know, and suddenly you're stuck in that. It's so easy to get typecast, whatever yeah. it is that you do. Yeah. And, you know, I have a friend who works in true crime reality. And <laughs> right. all she wants to do is write comedy. Really? And oh, she's I love like, you, true crime. Yeah, she, <laughs> I love true crime. But then you'll get crime. stuck in it. You'll get stuck <laughs> in it. That's fine. Stick so, me yeah, in yeah, you're like, all right, I'm no, no, forget my Twitter. I've been building this all for years. <laughs> Just murders. Yeah, exactly. You're really doing penance for this megachurch stuff. <laughs> you're like, I want to work in horror and murder. That's what I want to do. Uh, if they could be church murders, that would be very specific in order to get me back on the it's right track. It's a very niche market, but yeah. you got to do it. That's my next show that I'm pitching. <laughs> and you know what? How can they turn it down from the guy who is The Bachelor? How can they possibly turn down the church murder show? <laughs> There's a lot of moving parts in this show, but uh, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> Who's the audience for this? Uh you know what? I actually think that churchgoers would be the audience for that. I think they would be very interested in it. They would pray for you because Absolutely. you're the bachelor. They're like, he's got to get out of this life of sin. Absolutely. But also, I appreciate that he's stopping murders. Yeah. That's or bringing just, light to them. Right. Are you stopping the murders? In this? I don't think I'm stop. I don't think it's a crime fighting show. I think it's a crime discussing show. I don't think I'm like like you're the hero. Pre-cog. The hero yeah. we we need, but we don't deserve. So. Speaking of comic books. I'm The Bachelor, and I also stop murders. Yeah, I'm The Bachelor. How is that not a yeah, show? Yeah, the, the Bachelor, it's B-A-T-Chler. <laughs> That's the whole show. We're really developing some great IP here. Your uh, your signal is a rose. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, the fat Jewish is going to take all of this. He just He's listening like, to this rose, show right now. Cross in the air. Yeah. Got <laughs> it. like, excellent, like, right now. So... Okay, so can you imagine what your life would be if you hadn't lost that job? Uh, miserable. I mean, I, yeah. I, it's crazy when you, and I'm sure you've experienced this, is you've been in something and in, in relationships, jobs, or whatever, and your happiness level is here, right? And then eventually it moves down to here. So when you get to here, you're like, oh, I'm happy. I, I yeah. feel happy. Not realizing that you've put a cap on it to where – this is your potential, but you're like, I'm at a three. Oh, that, that feels is good. So you know? painfully accurate. Right? That I, is... I've done that. And then you get out of it and you're like, oh my God, I feel you feel alive again. So on this episode, we are also advocating for divorce. That's important. <laughs> we're both of us are are you divorced? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. Both of us are divorced. Big time. So we're uh advocating for happiness level. So with the, with the divorce, when for me, it was it was very hard to pull that trigger, even though I yeah. was so unhappy. Um, and were you still in Kentucky at the time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, she didn't want to. And, and neither did the Lord. N- Jesus did not want that. Yeah. Uh, he was like, be miserable forever. Uh, That's what religion wants. <laughs> that's the core of it. And so it was so hard for me because I was like, is is real love sacrificing your own happiness for someone else's happiness. So I struggled with that for a long time being like, 
am I being selfish by wanting to be happy? And it's yeah. crazy what you talk yourself into. Well, I've and I've had this conversation. We're way off topic here, but this is also important. I've I had, feel it's it's in the realm. Yeah, I tend to failing forward. Divorce <laughs> is failing forward. It absolutely is. I tend to have so I get along uh, really well with with a lot of divorced people, uh-huh. and I think it's because divorced people, for the most part, and sometimes you learn this lesson before you know without being divorced. Sure. Sometimes divorced people don't learn this lesson, but divorced people, for the most part, have learned the two most important lessons in life. One is life is not a fairy tale. Right. And the other is that's perfectly okay. Right, right. Exactly. It's perfectly fine that it's not a fairy tale. It has its ups, its downs. Yeah. It's kind of what the podcast is about. Yeah. Um, but also the other lesson you learn is that you are the protagonist in your own life. Sure. And in order to you know, they always make that announcement on planes, like save yourself Put first, your mask basically. On first. Yeah. Exactly. Put your mask on before <laughs> helping other people. And at first it sounds like, you want us to be selfish? <laughs> oh, you want us to be as selfish as the airline is? <clears throat> right. You know, but then you realize it's because, oh, you can only help someone if you're good. Exactly. If you don't take care of yourself, you're useless to anyone else. Absolutely. And so focusing on your own happiness, love is not sacrificing your own happiness mm-hmm. To give someone else happiness. Right. Because then that person is happy that you're not happy. And their happiness depends on you. Like, you can't be responsible for someone else's happiness. Absolutely. And so, and I've had people in my life with uh, depression and with anxiety, Mm -hmm. and my instinct is always like, what can I do to help? Right, right. And a friend of mine told me something revolutionary just the other day. So, my buddy Jay Black, who's Uh a great comedian, um, and he said that he had to learn to because he has people in his family with anxiety and he had to learn that like when you know let's say they're worried about the example he gave me was sun damage right right and they were worried irrationally about like oh i'm gonna get you know sun damage and you could bring the foremost skin cancer expert in the world in (laughs) right explaining step by step how you're not going to get sun damage (laughs) by going to the park with sunblock on and with a hat and with a jacket and everything or you could just say yeah you might (laughs) <laughs> and and then what? Right. And that's actually what you're supposed to say. Yeah. yeah. Which is, it goes against, it makes you feel like a shitty friend or like a shitty family member or whatever it is. But that's really what you're supposed to do. Because that person, the only way they can get through anxiety is by learning how to deal with the what if. Wow. That's so true. Because you always come up with these hypotheticals. And some of them might happen. So you yeah. have to say, okay, if this does, then what do I do? Right. And that person has to be able to handle that themselves yeah. where, and it sounds like such a dick move <clears throat> to where just <clears throat> the idea true. of it's like, really Oh, true. I don't want to fly. Cause we might crash. And you have to just be like, yeah, you might, <laughs> Right. you know, you absolutely might die. Probably won't, but what you of might. It? Yeah. What of it? So, <laughs> right. and then it's over. So no big deal. Yeah. You know, yeah, you might have a fiery death, you know, but whatever, it's fine. But it's, it, that's so true with, I, and religion really pushes that with, with, being like controlling someone else's happiness and putting yourself last mm-hmm. a big thing in religion is you don't take care of yourself you take care of other people first and you, and you take care of god and then you're in there god it seems so needy by the way <laughs> so it's codependent such, it's such a horrible mentality because you convince yourself that people should be able to treat you poorly and that you shouldn't take care of yourself and that it's a good thing to do that. My yeah. my seven-year-old uh, talked to me the other day. 
he was he was he lost in Mario Kart and started sobbing uncontrollably. I've been and there. Like, We've all been there. <laughs> and I was like, I get it. Blue shell right at the end. That's fair. But he yeah. kept going and going. So I was talking to him and I was like, there's there's something else going on. So I kept talking and I was like, pal, what what's the matter? And he's like, I'm such a failure. And uh, I said, you're not. I said, would you? I said, what if I lost? Would you call me a failure? And he's like, no. I said, what about your cousin? He's like, no. I said, well, then why are you so mean to yourself and not that? And he goes, I think I'm just better at being nice to other people instead of myself. Wow. And he's seven. And I said, pow, I was like, you have to be able to love yourself before you can love anybody else. And, and, and so we started doing this routine to where every time he looks in the mirror, he has to say something positive about himself. Yeah. But it's so crazy that, and he's seven years old and thinks that, you know, it's, it's just so wild that uh, religion and everything teaches us treat other people better, but don't love yourself. I'm amazed from that story that you're still able to love him after he lost a Mario Kart. I, think I mean, that's, I won. So that's yeah. why I was able right, to love Right, that's why him. you're happy. Yeah. So, no, I, I think that that is, I think that that's a wonderful lesson. Yeah. And that's something that like, I got to say, man, as someone who very much enjoys your Twitter, I'm really glad you're not a youth pastor anymore. Because what <laughs> a waste. Too. What a waste that would have been. I was wasting so much material on those exactly. kids. Exactly. This, ugh. So <laughs> those rural Kentucky kids, they didn't even know what they had oh, at their disposal. these were Orlando rural oh, kids. Oh, right. You moved yeah. to, yeah. Oh, even worse. Anyway, uh, Rob, tell the people where they can find out more about you. Uh, I am on Twitter at Rob Fee. I actually have a new podcast that you need to come on and talk about called Religious, uh, where I talk to people about their religious upbringings, uh, how it jacked them up and how it still affects them today. How you weren't allowed to watch the Smurfs. Wow. Yeah, I was allowed to watch Smurfs. I actually have a theory that that the Smurfs were our Orthodox Jews. Ooh. Think about it. Okay. Blue and white. Right. Um, one guy with a beard and tons of kids with one woman. Okay. Um, cat's name is Azrael and Smurf backward is Frums, which if you're, if you're unfamiliar from, from is basically a, it's, it's the word to describe like a very like religious person. It's, I think it's in Yiddish. Uh, a very religious Jew. There, it's wow. called like from or from. It's it's R F U M, which so wow. from is Smurf backwards. You know, it's a I, whole theory. I hate the fat Jew, but I love the blue Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, which is me when I'm sad. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, go go check out uh, Rob's podcast and of course his Twitter. It really is. It really is a very, very good Twitter. Oh, thank There's, you. And these days, that's so hard to find. Like, I sometimes go to my timeline specifically so I get like, oh, let me find someone to retweet. Right. And let me find someone to interact with. <laughs> and like, and I'm going through and it's just like people being mad at Trump. Right. Or really intricate details of some baseball game <laughs> or some. And I'm like, is, is anyone I follow just funny sometimes? I, I had to stop tweeting about Trump. I mean, yeah. it was just. What am I doing? I'm just yelling into the void. I still we all hate him. We get it. You I, know? Well, but we don't all. So I still <clears throat> do tweet about him sometimes. But like sometimes you just got to write jokes. Yeah. You I know? Mean, and that was just for me. Other people, please keep 
keep getting the word yeah. out on it. But for me, it was eating my soul. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The good thing about being redheaded is I don't have a soul to lose. There you so go. <laughs> uh, please check out Rob's stuff. And as always, thank you for uh, listening, for following, for liking, for subscribing, uh, and for supporting our sponsors. This has been another episode of Failing Forward, and we will see you next week. See you later. Mm-hmm.